You are Locked On Saints, your daily New Orleans Saints podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is good, Huda Nation and Huda family? Welcome in. It's our Tuesday edition here at Locked On Saints, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day here every single Monday through Friday, five days a week, covering your New Orleans Saints. On today's episode, another Saints assistant coach is heading to another opportunity. Then the Super Bowl is set for February 7th. It's the Kansas City Chiefs and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We'll quickly revisit the Saints four games against these two teams, see how they matched up against these year's Super Bowl contenders, and what each team can learn from the way that the Saints played against them. And finally, we went over our offensive players that I'll be watching over at the Senior Bowl this week. Let's talk defense today. We'll close out the show with three defensive linemen, three linebackers, and three defensive backs that I'll be watching closely throughout the week as others, of course, will jump off the field as well. As always, I'm your host, Ross Jackson, at Ross Jackson Nola on Twitter, editor over at CanalStreetChronicles.com, and your Tuesday co-host over at the National Locked on NFL podcast. We got all that and a little bit of land yet for you on today's episode of Locked on Saints, your team every day. family. So quarterbacks coach Joe Lombardi from the New Orleans Saints heading to the Los Angeles Chargers as their offensive coordinator. That's now the fourth New Orleans Saints staffer to be taken by other NFL franchises. You had Terry Fontenot, who was director of pro personnel or excuse me, assistant general manager and VP of pro personnel heading over to be the new general manager of the Atlanta Falcons. Uh, Dan Campbell, the former tight ends coach and assistant head coach of the New Orleans Saints heading to take on the head coaching duties in Detroit, bringing with him former secondary coach Aaron Glenn to be his defensive coordinator. Now quarterback coach Joe Lombardi heading to the Los Angeles Chargers. Don't forget the Saints also almost lost their defensive line coach Ryan Nielsen to the LSU Tigers and the college ranks with the Saints able to get him to stick around with a three-year extension of promotion and matching the pay that the LSU Tigers were going to give him. So this has become a big part of the offseason for the Saints. It's finally happening with the coaching staff getting poached. We've talked a little bit about the Sean Payton coaching tree finally becoming a thing. Here we go. It continues to be underway. And I don't know that it's necessarily over. Of course, this season, we're getting very close. But over the next couple of seasons, I don't see why this wouldn't continue, right? You still have Pete Carmichael, who could potentially get some look. Ronald Curry, the running back coach, uh, who could get a look as well. So there's some really good, good coaches in this staff that are going to continue to get attention from around the NFL. So we'll see what that means. And then, of course, Dennis Allen as well, who was the defensive coordinator who, or who is the defensive coordinator who was looked at for the Philadelphia Eagles head coaching job. So let's talk a little bit about Joe Lombardi, what the loss of him means, and what he has done with the team so far. So he's been with New Orleans essentially since 2007 as their quarterbacks coach. It was two different stints, though because he went to Detroit as their offensive coordinator in 2014 and 2015. Now in 2014, he helped out the Lions big time. 11-5 and record, Matt Stafford's only Pro Bowl season, two 1,000-yard wide receivers, was aided by a top five defense there because still no run game that year, 28th in rushing yards in the NFL. So that'll be something to look for when he goes to Los Angeles. How much does he get the run game popping when you have guys that are available to do that and you have very talented guys? That can be a part of that. But he also went one in six that following year in 2015 and was fired during a quick, quick house cleaning uh, by Detroit. 
uh, at that point. So very short stint there. After that, he would return to New Orleans 2016, and he's been there ever since. Now, rumor has it, and it's definitely more than rumors, that Matt Stafford and Joe Lombardi never really saw eye to eye, including the fact that Matt Stafford really never bought in on Lombardi at all. So now Lombardi is going to go and work with a young quarterback in Justin Herbert and some talented receivers. So he gets an opportunity here to maybe work with a quarterback that's not as established. I mean, Matt Stafford was already in the league for five seasons before uh, Joe Lombardi showed up in Detroit. So maybe that had a little bit to do with the contention between the two, particularly, of course, that one in six season, it was clearly evident. So we'll see how Joe Lombardi maybe works with a younger quarterback in the case of Justin Herbert. Now for the Saints, they're going to have to find a way to replace a big piece of their offensive coaching staff. If they ended up I feel a little bit more comfortable with this right now than maybe like next year, for instance, because it seems pretty unlikely that the Saints are going to turn to a rookie quarterback to be their starting quarterback. They have the Jameis Winston option, the Taysom Hill option, who's already on the roster. So at the absolute no other choice situation, you always have Taysom Hill in that scenario. And then there's all the trade scenarios, free agency scenarios and things with up to 18 quarterbacks expected to potentially change spots, 12 of them seeming very likely at this point. So with them probably going to a veteran, I'm not as concerned with Joe Lombardi leaving, and it certainly helps the Stafford possibility. But what I am a little bit concerned about is the fact that it does kind of hurt the Jameis Winston return for the Saints. So it, it, it maybe boosts one option while potentially diminishing another option. You remember that Jameis Winston named Lombardi as being a part of that Harvard School of Quarterbacking that he referenced when he was signing with New Orleans. So a little something to watch there. I don't know that it's enough to make Winston not want to stay in New Orleans, but just something to maybe keep in mind about the relationship and the culture that's got to be built around there when you talk about replacing Joe Lombardi. Now, replacing Joe Lombardi wasn't much of a task for the Saints in 2014 and 15. They hired Mike New. The team did go seven and nine both seasons, but at no fault at all to the offense. They had the number one passing attack in 2014, the number two passing attack in 2015 without Lombardi. They hired Mike New from Tulane, but he was a pro scout with the team from 2009 to 2011. So he had been with the team before. So the offense ran fine without Lombardi, but they did have Breeze at that time. They brought in Mike New from Tulane, who had sort of had this previous stint with the Saints. So we'll see exactly what it is that the Saints look for in terms of replacing Joe Lombardi this time. It could be another internal promotion. You have a couple of young offensive assistants some pro scouts that are similar to Mike New's trajectory, potentially Michael Parenton being uh, a potential option, though I do think that he should get consideration for Terry Fontenot's job personally, but we'll see exactly what it is that the Saints do to fill that role. They'll certainly take their time and probably having a better understanding of what's happening with your breeze and what's happening at the quarterback position first may influence how it is that the Saints want to go about filling this role. So you bring in somebody maybe with good experience that can help to uphold the culture or if you have somebody that you're bringing in that is a veteran and is a little bit more of an established quarterback, then maybe you promote within for somebody that might be a little bit younger or somebody that doesn't necessarily have the full-on experience that you can get from outside the facility, but does grant you some consistency moving ahead. So the Saints with a lot of different options and a lot of different pathways that they can go, both at the quarterback position and now, of course, at the quarterback coach position as well. They'll take their time filling this role, I believe. Um, that was Sean Payton's sort of MO the other day that he was sharing, that they'll take their time in filling all of these coaching positions, and I don't expect this one to be any different. So coming up next, we're going to jump into our look at the Kansas City Chiefs, essentially at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Tampa Bay becoming the first team in the NFL or NFL history to play a Super Bowl 
in their home stadium. So essentially Kansas City at Tampa Bay, the Super Bowl, these two teams played against the Saints, uh, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, of course, three times in 2020. So we'll take a look at that and then see how we can sort of pull from the competition between the Saints and these two Super Bowl teams to maybe preview the Super Bowl a little bit. And of course, we'll get to our defensive players to watch that I'll be watching from the Senior Bowl this week. So we got that coming up for you next here on Locked On Saints, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And of course, one of my favorite parts of the Super Bowl are the props. Always a ton of fun props. You get commercial props, you get anthem props, you get halftime show props, and you get wild props all throughout the game, including what color Gatorade is going to be poured on the winning coach. It's always a ton of fun. And my favorite place to recommend to you to go and check that out is the one place that we consider a go-to and the one place that we trust. It's betonline.ag. You can sign up for a free account today at betonline.ag, but make sure you use the promo code locked on so you get the 50% welcome bonus. You get that extra 50% on top of your first deposit, which gives you more money to throw into those wild props all throughout the Super Bowl. Always a lot of fun stuff there. So don't sit on the sideline, get in on the action, and don't forget to use the promo code locked on to get that 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. All right, Huda Nation, get more of the sports news that you need in less time with our new Locked On Today podcast. Peter Bukowski hosts Locked On Today, a daily podcast breaking down the biggest stories with analysis from our local experts. Start your day with all the sports news that you need in under 20 minutes. Subscribe to Locked On Today wherever you get your podcast. Great conversation yesterday about uh, Matt Stafford and the New Orleans Saints being included as a part of that number in terms of the uh, teams that could potentially land him. I know Luke Braun and I also talked about Saints and Stafford on Tuesday on today's episode of Locked on NFL. So you can go and check all that out. Everybody's talking about the Saints right now because they're in the market for a quarterback, but also they have a little bit of connection going on right now with the teams in the Super Bowl. Of course, one of them in particular with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in the same division as them, the NFC South. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers did it. They did it. Regardless of how we might feel about it, they did it. They They brought in Tom Brady. And then they made it to the Super Bowl. We thought that they weren't going to be Super Bowl contenders, that it would take more time than people thought. And now here they are in the Super Bowl about to go up against the reigning Super Bowl champion, uh, Kansas City Chiefs. Now, I definitely expected this to be a New Orleans Saints, Kansas City Chiefs Super Bowl, but unfortunately wasn't in the stars for the New Orleans Saints. But they did play against both these teams. So I thought it'd be fun as a part of a sort of we played them series that we're doing here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Uh, particularly with the NFL channels, to take a look at how the Saints competed against the Kansas City Chiefs and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, considering that the Saints are actually in the unique opportunity in that they actually played against these teams a total of four times combined, going 2-2 two and two in those games. 0-1 against the Kansas City Chiefs, 2-1 and one against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers if you include the playoffs, which of course we will. They swept Tampa Bay, the New Orleans Saints did during the regular season, but dropped the playoff competition, you know, the one that mattered with Kansas City. Uh, you actually ended up seeing a, a good bit of uh, impressive play by the defense, but we'll come back around to that. Right now, what I want to talk about a bit is what Kansas City might be able to learn from New Orleans and the way that they played up against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. You're going to see a little bit of a theme between these two teams, and it starts with the fact that don't make bigger mistakes than the Bucs will make. The Bucs will make mistakes. They absolutely will. And you have to make sure that your mistakes, the Packers just learned this lesson too, that your mistakes aren't as costly as their mistakes. Make their mistakes count. Make up for your mistakes as best as you can or try to limit your mistakes as best as you can. 
prepare for very physical play from that secondary, the corners, the safeties. They want to hit. They want to put their hands on receivers. Remember, Carlton Davis and that secondary held Michael Thomas to no catches in the playoff game. Oh, for four in terms of targets for Michael Thomas. So not a great day for him. Those two were going at it back and forth on Twitter again the other day too. Um, you know, take advantage of what this defense does give you. And sometimes that means attacking over the top. This was something that the Saints struggled to be able to do. Certainly something that Kansas City won't struggle to be able to do. It's absolutely in their DNA to do exactly that. Here's the big thing where the Saints really won was putting pressure on Tom Brady, particularly with the front four, particularly in the regular season. They did a very good job of that. Not so much in the playoff game, only seven dropbacks in which they are seven pressures that they actually generated in that game. So you're going to have to do better than that, and you're going to have to do it throughout the game. The Saints did get one sack against Tom Brady and Tampa Bay in the playoffs, but it came very early on in the game. That pressure becomes, and those sacks become more important as the game wears on. So if you're in the third quarter, in the fourth quarter, getting those sacks, getting that pressure, it's almost twice as valuable as the pressure and sacks that you're getting in the first and second quarter, depending upon your game situation. Uh, on the offensive side, hold up on the interior offensive line. Kansas City is dealing with some injuries on the outside at tackle, though. But I do know that, especially with getting Vita Vea back, that run defense is a little bit you know, more stout in terms of what they have available to them along the defensive line and along that interior. If you can't hold up on the interior, you're going to get pressure immediately right up the middle. And that's not going to be great for Kansas City. So take what Tampa Bay is going to give you. It's going to be hard to run against them, but you can take it when you get the light boxes. Attack the perimeter between the corner and the safety and those cover two uh, looks when they give them to you. Attack the deep middle in those cover two looks as well. This is something, of course, that the Saints struggled to be able to do, but Patrick Mahomes in this offense should have no trouble with. And in fact, you can also look underneath and see what's available up the middle as well in the passing game. Linebackers get plenty of depth when those Tampa two looks. And in a cover three looks, the middle of the field will be open, close to the line of scrimmage. So just take what they're going to give you, but then be able to take those shots down the field when they're available. Now, the Saints played a respectable game against the Kansas City Chiefs. They handed Patrick Mahomes his third worst completion percentage of the season, lowest yards per attempt, a fifth worst passing yardage total, and the most sacks that he took in a single game in the 2020 season as well. So those are going to be the biggest things, and it all kind of comes down to pressure. So what is it that Tampa Bay can learn from Kansas City? Let's start off with the sort of joining factor here for sure. Take advantage of the opportunities that you do get. This is a, I asked Ryan Tracy actually on the Locked on NFL Sunday show when it came down to the Green Bay Packers matchup with the Kansas City Chiefs. What's more important? Is it more important for Green Bay to be able to keep up on the offensive side with Kansas City's offense or to be able to limit Kansas City with their defense. And his answer for which one is more important was yes, because they are. They are both very important and they are both vital to being able to uh, move past this Kansas City team. And the Saints did okay. They did better than maybe most would have expected, particularly on the defensive side, but they weren't able to keep up on the offensive side and they didn't take advantage of the opportunities that were there, whether it's scoring on a drive after a rare Kansas City turnover, or it's simply, I don't know, recovering a punt in the end zone, perhaps, like Alex Anzalone wasn't able to do, unfortunately, and that ended up being more than the deficit of the loss of the game. You have to be able to take advantage of those opportunities when they're there, make them count. It's kind of the same thing as what we're talking about with the Tampa Bay mistakes, make their mistakes more costly than yours. And so it's both by being able to cover yourself if you make a mistake, 
but also being able to cash in on the mistakes and opportunities that you gather from their issues. The next thing is just take the hits. Like Patrick Mahomes is going to beat you. The question will be, can you answer? Can you find ways to answer? We saw that with the Saints, a couple of red zone touchdowns, uh, Patrick Mahomes with perfect placement back the end zone on a touchdown to McCall Hardman in the back corner. Those things are going to happen. Like they're going to beat you that way. They're incredibly creative at the goal line and within the five. You're going to take some of those shots. It's about whether or not you can respond. So can Tampa Bay, Tom Brady, can they respond after they take those hits? Pressure, 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 especially with the front four. This was big with the uh, with with both of these teams uh, for New Orleans. They were able to get pressure in both these games, and it was a big part of why they were able to win the games against Tampa Bay during the regular season, why they were able to maintain a manageable deficit during the Kansas City game and put themselves in position to be able to threaten for a win at the end of that game. And it was the reason why they didn't win at all <laughs> against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in the playoffs is because of the lack of pressure. So pressure, very important when playing against both of these teams. And ultimately, don't miss under, don't underestimate, excuse me, Kansas City's defense. Kansas City defense has actually improved a ton since just week 15. Uh, the Chiefs pass rush and secondary are better than the national media is ever going to talk about because they just want to talk about the Kansas City offense. So keep an extra blocker in the backfield. If you're going to dare uh, Kansas City to defend and beat your your receivers, make sure that your quarterback has the time that he needs to be able to accurately pinpoint those passes because those guys in the back, on the back end for Kansas City can definitely make some plays. And speaking of actually daring Kansas City, the Saints dared Kansas City to run the ball and then learned that they could run the ball. <laughs> so I think that this is a big part too with maybe when uh, Tampa Bay looks at film from Kansas City and in games that they struggled most, what they were able to take advantage of. The Saints played a lot of that deep cover too, keeping the two safeties back to be able to help in the passing game, but didn't really worry about helping them so much in the run game. If you're going to do something like that, then make sure that your front seven can control the run game. And the Tampa Bay Buccaneers do actually uh, do a good job at that. So Saints performed pretty well against both of these teams. And in both instances, had some trouble taking advantage of opportunities and made mistakes that were more detrimental than the mistakes that benefited them. So these two teams, these two quarterbacks are going to be a big matchup for sure uh, for the Super Bowl. But to me, it's going to come down to the defenses, I think, that are going to separate the winner on February 7th. All right, y'all, in just a moment, we're going to jump to our defensive players that I'll be watching on my watch list for the Senior Bowl. We've got Senior Bowl practice starting up today, so we'll have a ton to talk through. Three defensive linemen, three linebackers, and three defensive backs here in just a moment on today's episode of Locked on Saints, part of Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. And today's episode is brought to you by our good friends over at rockauto.com. I love making jokes about me having to, you know, fix up my car and everything like that because I always did a really bad job at maintaining my car before the problems came about. I kind of did the Saint salary cap approach and I just let the problems happen and then I just said screw it, I'll fix it along the way. And that's a manageable way to deal with the salary cap, not the best way to deal with your vehicle and Rock Auto has helped me improve that part of my life quite a bit because if there's anything that I know is coming up, anything that I know I need to make sure that I'm ready for, I don't have to go to the store and kind of be badgered by these people that want me to buy the most expensive version of the thing that I need, even though I don't need that version of it, I can just order what makes sense for me at the price rate that makes sense and the price rate that I want to pay over at rockauto.com. And so I really love going there. So you can check it out. You just pick your your make, your model, your year, your, you pick the part that you need, and then you're going to get several different choices, several different options at a fraction of the price as what you're going to pay over at the more popular stores around the corner. And they'll just deliver it straight to your door. So go and check them out, rockauto.com. 
Take a look at all of the different parts they have available for your car or truck today. And don't forget to let them know that Locked On sent you by writing Locked On in the How to Hear About Us section. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, and all the parts your car will ever need at rockauto.com. And also want to give a shout out to our guys over at Built Bar, builtbar.com, the best tasting protein bar ever. I keep telling y'all, I'll take my time machine, go to the future, go to the past. They have never done it before. They'll never do it again. This is the time. Go to builtbar.com. Check out the 18 incredible flavors that they have that are covered in 100% chocolate as well. These sound like they should be bad for you, right? They're covered in chocolate and they have these incredible flavors like German chocolate, banana bread, which is mad underrated, mint cookie, salted caramel, but all of these are low sugar, low calorie, high protein, and high fiber. I brought a whole box with them. Uh, a whole box of them, excuse me, here with me to Mobile so that other folks can try them, so that I would have them. They're fantastic. And they have reset their promo code for their relaunch as well. They went through a recent rebranding. All their packaging is beautiful. The flavors are phenomenal. Six brand new flavors going on, as well as some other products you can check out as well. Just go to builtbar.com and use the promo code locked on so you can get 20% off of your next order, whether it's your first or your next one. Use that promo code locked on to get 20% off at builtbar.com. Let's get a family wrap it up. Today's episode of Locked on Saints 2020 is mercifully over and it's time for a fresh start and a few more wins. If you're betting this year and you want more of those wins, listen to the Locked on Bets podcast. Subscribe to Locked on Bets wherever you get your podcast. All right, so let's jump into our uh, defensive player watch list for the Senior Bowl. So I've got three candidates at each sort of position group. I'm grouping some of this stuff together just to make it a little bit easier because the fact of the matter is that there's going to be a lot of names that are just going to kind of jump out when I get the opportunity to see them. We have our first practices are today. They're moving them indoors for inclement weather, all of that. So I'll be tweeting as I can uh, throughout everything going on with the practices. So let's start off with a uh, defensive line here. There's a few that I'm going to be looking at. Um, Teron Jackson out of Coastal Carolina. Just somebody that really intrigues me coming from that program, a big culture program there. I want to know more about him kind of as a person. That's one of the things that I really love about the Senior Bowl is that we'll get our opportunities to kind of get some of these interviews and everything like that. I'll be able to share some of these interviews as well on the show. So you hear all of that. William Bradley King out of Baylor, a little bit versatile, can do a little bit of everything, very tenacious. Um, really, really like him. But I'm going to go with the guy that uh, my friend, our good friend Dylan Sanders, who you'll hear from later on this week, as well as you can catch his couple of write-ups already over this week over at CanalTreeChronicles.com as well and over at Whole Nine Sports. Uh, Oso Odigizua out of UCLA, a six foot two, 280 pound interior defensive lineman with an 84 inch wingspan. <laughs> Everything about that should sound very unprecedented and confusing. And that's because it is. That's one of the things that's so intriguing about a big time tenacity uh, can play inside, can play outside as well. You can move him out onto the edge. So he'll be somebody that I'm really interested to watch because Look, the Saints might not be looking for a big-bodied interior nose tackle or one tech, even if they do decide to move on from Malcolm Brown, even if they can't re-sign Sheldon Rankins. You have David Onyemata who can play that role. Uh, Malcolm Roach who can play that role. Uh, Sheldon, excuse me, uh, Shai Tuttle who can play that role. So what I'm more interested in is who's the next guy that can move inside and out. We've seen the Saints do that over the last couple of seasons. They find that person, Mario Edwards, Malcolm Roach, Shai Tuttle, all of them can do that help Sheldon Rankins, David Onyemata, the guys that can move from inside to outside are very, very uh, interesting to me. And when you have a six foot two, 280 interior defensive lineman, you need to be able to play out on the edge. So it'll be interesting to watch sort of all the different places where he plays and takes snaps from during the practice week this week 
and how that could potentially inform the way that defensive line coaches and head coaches and scouts look at him going into the draft. Let's jump over to the second level now, linebackers. There's a few here that are very exciting. You're going to notice a little bit of a trend here, and then I'm going to break it. <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to pull a New Orleans Saints here. I'm going to establish a uh, a trend, and I'm and I'm going to break it. My, you guys know the linebackers that I like. I, I was a big fan of Kenneth Murray over Patrick Queen going into this draft cycle because of size. I like size at the linebacker position. Hamilcar Rashad and uh, Baron Browning expected to weigh in around the same. Baron Browning did his weigh in this morning. Six foot three, two hundred forty one pounds, eighty one inch wingspan. Hamilcar Rashad did his. 6'3", 241-pound, 82-inch wingspan. So these guys are like carving coffees for me between the two of them. But Baron Browning, he was really the one that stands out for me. He has the Ohio State connection. He has the pro-style defense connection. It's just going to be really interesting to see him sort of be able to work a little bit more in the three, excuse me, in the 4-3, maybe even 4-2 nickel corner linebacker formations and, and, and working within that scheme because he played a lot of 4-4 at Ohio State where there were four linebackers on the field. So he shared responsibilities with some of these guys at a little bit of a uh, more sort of expanded pace was stretched a little bit less thin than he would be in, let's say, nickel formations and things like that. So I want to see what he's going to be doing there because he can do a bit of everything. He can tackle very well. He can cover. He can pursue. He's a big hitter. So he can do all of those things. But I just want to see more of him in coverage, especially against tight ends. And the good thing about the senior bowl is that you're going to get the one-on-ones He's going to be matched up with a lot of pass catching tight ends in Mobile. And I think that that will certainly be helpful to see him go up against those guys. I'll say the exact same thing for Hamilcar Rashad. I think Hamilcar just has a little bit more to prove as a coverage linebacker. And I just want to see Baron Browning maintain what we already know about him as a coverage linebacker and then see his speed on display a little bit, as well as his agility, ability to be able to flip the hips and coverage, all that good stuff. Then I'm going to break the tendency a little bit. I talk about these big linebackers, but somebody that I am interested in seeing is Garrett Wallow out of TCU. I don't know if we're going to see him. He's not on the, uh, like on any of the, the, the sort of player listings or anything, but he's here. So I'll be interested to see if there's any point to where we do get to see him or even just talk to him. Six foot two, 224 pounds, hybrid safety linebacker type of a guy, but a fantastic tackler over a hundred tackles in his senior season. He has been somebody that has been uh, in my mind, like a Joe Bocci, essentially not as he, he's obviously smaller than Joe Bocci. He's got the safety thing, but just in terms of being a reliable tackler, and he's been somebody that I have seen in people's top five linebackers going into the draft. And I've also seen him as like an undrafted prospect expectation, priority free agent expectation. So he bounces a little bit all along the, the, the sort of spectrum when it comes to the draft, which isn't unusual at this point, right? We're just now in January. <laughs> like It's okay for him to sort of have that kind of what you would call, I guess, a volatile market. But the Senior Bowl is why that's important. It, it's one of the reasons why the Senior Bowl is important because it'll help to sort of establish what his foothold really is in the, uh, in, in the draft. Now let's jump over to the defensive backs to wrap this up. Uh, let's start off with Syracuse uh, safety. Let's just say defensive back. Ife Malafonwu, uh, he is the uh, six foot four, two hundred and thirteen pound safety. Fantastic size, can play corner and safety, play in the nickel as well if you need him to. He's got all that versatility, but he's got deep safety traits that I'm really, really interested in. And he's a good tackler as well, so I'll be really, really looking forward to seeing him on the field. I think he's one of these guys, along with maybe like a Hamsa Nazir Aldean, who can really just jump off the field and can put on a big time show. His size at that safety position, six foot four, two thirteen, is just outstanding. And so now I just want to see: can he be fluid enough in his hips? Right? Can he flip his hips? Can he be agile enough? Can he change direction quick enough? Can he 
Does he have the closing speed? Can he do all of that at that size is going to be something I'm very interested in seeing. Now let's go to somebody that's a little bit more of a traditional outside corner size, six foot two, 195. Robert Rochelle, the corner out of the University of Central Arkansas, UCA, uh, physical outside corner, probably the best FCS defender in the nation, more than likely at this point. We'll learn more about that uh, over the course of this week. Uh, probably a day three guy right now, but could really surprise people uh, this week as well as heading into the draft uh, and has punt gunner experience as well. So y'all know how much I love that. And it doesn't stop at Robert Rochelle when it comes to the punt gunner experience. I carry that right over to Minnesota's six foot three, 201 pound defensive back, Ben St. Juiced. He's somebody that I'm really excited to see. He's a good man slash zone corner, can defend on the boundary and in the slot. You can play him off a little bit in the sort of um, off cover three formations. I haven't really seen him do much bailout technique, but if you already start him off the line of scrimmage, he does really well in sort of holding his ground there and not reacting too late. In fact, his reaction time is something I'm very impressed with, his ability to flip his hips in coverage and be able to maintain stride for stride with his man, but also his reaction time in terms of being able to react to a receiver, putting his hands up to try to make a play on the ball. His first and initial reaction, y'all are going to love this, is to turn his head in coverage. And he avoids penalties that way while still being able to make plays. That's a huge thing. And that's a big thing for a guy that's coming out of college. Like that's a big disciplinary piece that usually isn't in place that I'm really interested in. And one of the reasons why I'm, I'm hoping to be able to speak with him as well, because I want to see how that discipline and maturity comes through his personality as well, if that makes sense. He's a good open field tackler as well, which is one of the reasons why he gets the run at punt gunner as well. So he also adds that special teams ability and you can see it sort of translate into his defensive game because he's very, very comfortable making those open field tackles. So there you go, y'all. Three defensive linemen, three linebackers, three defensive backs, and more that I'll be watching here Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday in practice. So we'll be back tomorrow to get you everything you need to know about these uh, prospects after we get one day in of seeing them, a day in of speaking with them as well. So much more information on the way here throughout the rest of the week. And of course, we'll get to your questions on Friday from the Locked on Saints Facebook group. So don't forget to join that facebook.com slash groups slash Locked on Saints. We'll get our Facebook Fridays back rolling along with our free agency Fridays as well. So much more coming up for you along the rest of the week here, y'all. I appreciate you as always for coming through. Once again, I'm Ross Jackson. You can follow me on Twitter at Ross Jackson, N-O-L-A. Hit me up. Let me know how the family's doing. Let me know how you live and let me know how your mom and them tell your friends, family, and fellow Saints fans about the show. And if you haven't already, please take a moment to subscribe, drop that five-star rating and review. I thank you so much for all your support. Ever help me grow this family. This has been Locked on Saints and Trust Who That Nation. I'll holla at you.